Three, two, one, and welcome back to the SBH podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about the craziest, really the best fishing, well, the best fishing I've had during the day ever. And it happened this week, and uh, well, it really happened today, and it was the best fishing I've ever had during the day. I got my personal best topwater fish. Uh, I've never, like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you places like the Cape Cod Canal that do this all the time, but to find a bite that's like that off the rocks of Cape Ann was something that I was just not really ready for or expecting to happen. Um, and it, it's a really cool story, so I just wanted to uh, really, like, talk out this whole story. It's going to be more, it's going to be kind of a different podcast. I do have questions that I didn't get to last podcast because I put a uh, question up on my uh, Instagram about summer fishing. And uh, I got questions to the point, like during the time before and during when I was doing the podcast and then I answered those, but then I still were, I still was getting questions. So I still have more questions left to do. So I'll get to those at the end of this story, but I'm going to go way, not way back, but I'm going to go back pretty far to the last podcast. So um, right around last podcast, I was uh, I was talking a lot about matching bait to like, well, matching the hatch, I guess, uh, by saying like, I was trying to match the biggest, well, really, okay, let me just, I'm trying to like think about this and the way I can describe this. But the way that I was doing this was, um, I, I talked a lot about last podcast of about fishing uh, with matching larger bait fish because it's easier to match larger bait fish that the bigger fish are feeding on and then being able to do that consistently or not consistently but enough to be able to trick these fish into eating. And right now we're in a time where it's getting to the what I like to call the doldrums of fishing which normally aren't very good for me. Although really late July is my best like through late July through really well Late July through August is my best time for bigger fish. But I was never expecting something like this to come out of what I was saying in the podcast. So if you actually, if you didn't watch that podcast, um, I'd encourage you to watch it before this one. But, and the reason I'm saying that is what I said in that podcast, I did exactly today. And I caught an extraordinary number and extraordinary size of big fish. And... Um, it really kind of shocked me. So, uh, so I'm gonna go back to uh, I was I was talking to some charter fishermen, and uh, they were saying, well, they weren't saying it. They showed me some pictures, and I was able to from their pictures, I was able to kind of understand uh, where they were fishing, and um, uh, and just like so, pretty much what I was trying to what I'm trying to say is they showed me pictures, and they're fishing by these islands that were pretty far out but I knew that there was uh off of, they're fishing off these islands and off the islands are massive bunker schools and I knew that um the way the way the wind direction was blowing that day it would blow the bait schools in the next few days into one uh location and um that I'm fairly familiar with I haven't fished a lot and so I I wasn't really expecting much but I I didn't know uh but that, I had that in my head, like, okay, I could either fish this spot or I could fish this spot. And I ended up fishing this spot, which was a really good, really good, um, cause they're fishing off these islands. And then 
I, I could get pretty close to where they were, but then in the direction that the wind was blowing, I thought that the bait would actually get pushed past that over to where I was fishing today. And that gamble really paid off. Uh, and so what happened was, I, that was probably, I don't know, two weeks ago, I was I saw those pictures and I was thinking, and I, every day I'm looking at the weather and the wind and the tide and the moon and everything like that. And so really what I'm trying to do there is like, well, is to pattern down things. Okay, how can I find a bite? Uh, what is going to be consistent? What am I going to be able to pattern down and be able to pull bigger fish from? And uh, I, I figured that the bass are obviously on bunker, um, and which is a bigger bait fish, so I've been throwing a lot of bigger plugs around. And it all started uh, last week. I was throwing uh, right, like right around the podcast. I was throwing a lot of big double jointed puma plug double jointed swimmers and um it was really the only thing that was working i was trying all the different brands and all the different darters and needlefish and everything that normally you know will call some of the bigger fish but nothing was pulling fish and uh and so i needed to kind of switch gears and i was throwing that double jointed swimmer because it matched that big profile that they're feeding on and all of a sudden boom fish and so uh i ended up catching uh what probably three bass that were in the like low 30s low to mid 30s nothing like crazy here but under 35 inches um and uh yeah so i i caught a bunch of those they're all released all nice and healthy and um i was super stoked about that but you know getting a half dozen of you know 30 inch bass that's that's a good time uh i don't care where you are catching a bunch of 30 inch bass is a lot of fun um and so then as the the week's progressed i've been a little bit busy but i've still been pretty keeping on top of this bite and keeping it in my mind the wind direction switched a little bit and i tried to fish an area that was close by but not the same area and didn't get the same results only a school year or two and it wasn't nothing crazy either um and then uh the wind switched back around and i was like okay i need to give this a, a, a really good go here um and see if i can actually pull some fish and um, on top of that, I was uh, getting getting reports that the pencil popper game was been has been strong, and so uh, I I love throwing pencils. It's one of my go tos as well as spooks, and um, so I was like, you know what? I want to go out. I want to have some top water fun. I want to get onto some nicer fish, and so I brought out the pencil, and I I went to the same spot. The wind was a little bit strong. The seaweed was decent. So it was kind of a little dirty, but it wasn't too bad. The water, the water clarity though was extremely, extremely clear, um, and but there was some weed in the water. So uh, I, I get to the spot, and uh, and by the way, this is absolutely brutal. You got houses, you got angry people. So you got to stay way below the high tide mark. I'm swimming from rock to rock to get out here. It takes me easy hour to get to where I need to go and uh, that's a that's like very normal for uh, a lot of what you're doing you get these access points off, off of like around Gloucester and Rockport areas that uh, you need to swim and get around these houses and to get to where you want to go and it can be very dangerous so you got to be super careful but you also if you do it right you can you, you can plan your path and get there um, but it, it can be struggle uh, and so uh, I'm working my way along. I finally get out to the spot uh, that I, I really wanted to fish. And uh, first cast, I hooked a 30-inch bass, which was, okay, that was really awesome. 
So, okay, great. I mean, you know, I'm getting on nice fish. And uh, okay, I finally get that thing in and, you know, it's a nice like 32 incher. And uh, for me, 32 inches, a solid fish. And I, I, I appreciate every bass of over 28 inches. That's a really solid fish and I'm super happy with that. Really, if I get a bass over 25, that's, I mean, those are fun size fish. I don't, I'm not upset about that. Unless we're really getting into big schools of large fish, then I'm like, okay, come on. Come on now, smaller fish are a little bit more of a nuisance. But you know, if I'm, I can take what I'll, I, I'm willing to take what I can get here, uh, especially on top water, because top water is amazing. So then I, uh, I fished, um, I kept fishing and I, I did pretty well. I think I got four or five other fish that were all 28 and above, but nothing over 32 inches. Like they're all in that range, like. 28 to 32 inches there's a few 29s a few 20 but like that's what it was so they're like solid fish um and then i was fishing one there's one spot which has a little rock that kind of sticks out a little bit and um i cast over that and i'm working my pencil and the waves are pretty big so they're kind of like i'm seeing my pencil go in and out and in and out of these waves so i can't really see my pencil at this point and it's starting to get a little bit darker so i can't fully see color color difference of things and I see something that to me looked like a giant fish jumping through the through the air after this uh, after my pencil, but I couldn't really tell if it was or was not. Um, and then so immediately after that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna change up. I'm gonna go around to where that was, and I'm gonna fish off that uh, little strip there. And um, I threw on a, a Puma Plug Danny um, and bunker. Uh, and first cast, I cast it out to the same spot that, that, that where I thought that fish or bigger wave or whatever, you know, hit my pencil. And, um, so I'm working my, my, uh, Danny plug in, it's doing its thing. I can feel the tip of my rod as the Danny's really doing a lot of action. And, um, you know, I get, I get eaten and I'm like, oh, I'm hooked in. And, uh, you know, I get the, uh, this fish in it's 36 inches. So like a solid, solid fish. Um, super stoked about that, um, to be honest. And it really kind of put things two and two together because I fished there before, gotten some high 30s. I knew that there was big fish there, or I had a suspicion that there would be. Um, but it spit up small bait fish. Not small, but like probably maybe peanut bunker, but very well digested bait fish. So I really was looking hard at that, trying to figure out exactly what it was. I think it was either small peanut or maybe a little herring-like thing. I'm not entirely sure, but it was a, it was a medium-sized bait fish, uh, which matched my small like six six-inch pencil uh, pretty perfectly. Um, and so I knew I was throwing roughly the right thing, but you know they it, it ate the bunker plug ultimately. It ate the bunker Danny plug, and um, so that's what I was kind of thinking about. I was okay. There's got to be some some correlation to this. They're feeding on smaller bait fish, but you know, they're willing to hit these bigger plugs because maybe there are some bigger bait around. Uh, and then, so I, 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 when I finally got back that night, there's not much after that, just a few handful of, you know, medium to high 20 inches, nothing like nuts. But uh, I still threw the, the Danny plug around, was getting hits. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, so that whole night happened and I was really, uh, that really opened my eyes to something that I hadn't seen in a while, which was a pattern a pattern of fish being extremely aggressive and uh, feeding on the surface very aggressively, just in general. Whether you can get a bass, a big fish, or a bigger fish to feed 
during the day or at night on the surface, those bass are feeding very aggressively and that's a good bite to get on um, and a good bite to pattern down. So I knew that there are some bigger fish in the area. Now, uh, the, I, I wanted to fish that again, same tide, just the following morning. And I knew that I had a decent shot the following morning, which would have been today, to get on some, some nice nice fish and maybe one more like 35 incher. Uh, I wanted to do it on a pencil or a spook, like a little, uh, like a little, but, or a Magnum Walker. Uh, this is a Walker, so the bigger version of this. Um, and uh, so I had the smallest version of the Puma pencil and the biggest version of the Magnum Walker, which is just the Magnum Walker, not, this is the Walker. And uh, the Magnum Walker uh, and the, the small Puma pencil were both in yellow over white, um, which is, been the best color not that i'm a huge color guy but uh it's been the best color i i try to just focus on uh realistic colors though like i i throw when there's bunker around i throw bunker color plugs when there's mackerel around i'm gonna be throwing macro color plugs um and so this this continued this heat just continued uh yeah, obviously like we were catching fish and we were catching nice quality fish uh out of this spot and um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna come back the next morning at the same tide, which is not really that early in the morning. It was the same tide would been around nine. Uh, and it was gonna be a completely clear day tomorrow, sunny, which is today. And it's, it was gonna be sunny, and, which it is. <laughs> and so um, we, we went back, or I went back rather, just me. And uh, I wanted to uh, catch some like another 35 incher if I could on top and so I started with the small pencil popper and immediately first cast hooked into a um, like 28 30 incher uh, so I was like okay that's sick I got a nice solid fish uh, a few more casts yielded just a, a high 20 uh, again probably around 28 inches um, and then I, I worked my way out a little bit further um, I was doing a lot of casts at that point, just trying to get into fish. Uh, the wind was slowly building throughout the day as this was happening. Uh, and I was looking in the water and there's a lot of bass. Like I could see a ton of fish swimming right along the rocks. And I was like, man, there are a lot of fish. But I was getting these packs of schoolie sized striped bass chasing my plug. Like when you'd hook in to a fish, it would, they'd not necessarily be that big, but there was a lot of them there all hitting it at once, bouncing it out of the water. Like it was, all, it was the whole thing. Like the bass were feeding extraordinarily aggressively. Um, and I, I was pulling decent fish and I went around to this, this section and I'm fishing on these cliffs that are, they drop off pretty deep. And, um, and there's a little like group of boulders that are bigger boulders and they're a little bit further out. It's kind of like an underwater reef thing, but we're in probably 50, 60 feet of water. And these, these are giant boulders. These are huge. They're house sized under the water or just groups of boulders, like giant. And, uh, what that does is it's going to give, um, it's just going to bring life to that area. And I knew that, you know, I should cast over that cause that's where the current's going to be sweeping over and everything was going to be better conditions in that area. I knew that I might have shot a, some fish there. And so I had my little six inch, six inch pencil and I'm casting it out over there and I'm working it and I see a swirl and boom, I got an, uh, another like 30 incher. Um, and that was out in that little section there. And then I worked back around on the inside again. Um, and I was, and I had a lull for probably an hour. So now we're probably getting around cause I got out there around seven ish 
and we were probably getting around 8.30 by this time. Uh, so I was like, had a solid time, but around 8.30 to about 9-ish, maybe a little like 8.30 to 8.45, I was not catching anything. Nothing was going after anything. Uh, I was messing around with some other stuff. I really wanted to stick to surface plugs and I threw a few soft plastics around, but it yielded no fish. Cause there's like, if you think about it, you could see all these bass cruising right along the side of the bank. And so I was like, if I can pull a few schoolies when it's being quiet right now, you know, I'll do that. Um, and what, nothing was really going down. So I was like about to call it, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw on the Magnum Walker and see how it goes. And the thing is the Magnum Walker is a big plug. Um, and so generally I don't really pull it out unless I have confidence that I'm going to catch a really big fish. And at that time I knew there was a lot of fish around. I was like, well, I mean, I'm probably gonna, I could call like a high 20, maybe a low 30, um, right now, just cause of, I mean, it was broad daylight midday. There was a good wind, but it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go give it a shot. Um, and I, I throw on the, the Magnum Walker and first cast, I, throw it out there you know I'm getting in some weeds and I'm like I'm in a little bit of weeds but I'm getting I have a, a bass smack it at the surface and I'm like interesting so I reel it in take the weeds off throw it back out again working it working it working it and then I have a bigger fish not giant but bigger come up and smash it at the surface a few times and then it got weed on it again because again it's pretty seaweedy this day um okay so then I take the the the, the weeds off and I'm, I cast back out into the same spot working it, working it, working it, and then a bigger fish, and you can tell it's a bigger fish because of how it ate. Uh, it was a little bit further out, and if you can imagine, so I have my, my walker going like so on the surface, and most of the time when you're fishing with, uh, or fishing and you get smaller schoolies, you know, they'll come up from the bottom and they'll smash it, um, and stuff like that. And uh, this ate it in the best big fish eating way possible, where it's parallel to it on the surface, and then you just see its tail speed up, you know, and you see this whole, it's all of its body like come out of the water and it just inhaled the plug. Um, and it didn't really inhale the plug, it just got the back trebles in its face. Uh, but it was, it, the front trebles were not in its face and it it was a nicer fish. So um, I fight this fish and I finally get that bass in. Um, it didn't actually fight that hard. I had my uh, 150, or 150, I had my 200 uh, Vanstall VSX uh, with 50 pound, uh, Power Pro Max Quattro line to uh, Spro like 180 pound swivel or something like that. I don't know exactly what pound test it is. Um, and then on like 50 pound test fluorocarbon, blue label cigar fluorocarbon line to um, a 125 pound, I think that's what it is, tactical anglers clip uh, attached to my Magnum Walker. And on all my Magnum Walkers, I, I have Joe uh, from Pumbo Plugs beef them up for like 6X. I think they're 6X strong. They could be more. They could be like 8X strong VMCs. But they're like crazy, crazy big. Because uh, the thing is like uh, a, a spook style plug and a spook style plug that's even as good as a Pumbo Plug Magnum Walker, which is the best spook style plug I've ever used, um, they, they catch giant giant fish and so you need to have beefy hardware on it because you can catch monster bass on it and so i always have my hardware beefed up on it um anyway back to the fight so i'm getting i'm fighting this fish i'm fighting this fish it didn't really fight that hard i got him out of like where the danger zone was and kind of on top of where i needed him to be and really just pulled him up and gotten you know out and it that fish was i didn't actually end up uh, uh um i didn't actually end up 
me measuring the length of that fish because I didn't have my stormer jacket, which has my uh, my um, my measuring tape in it. But I, I weighed it and it was 20 pounds. Uh, but I would estimate it to be like 35 to maybe 36 inches. Like that's how big it, it was. A nice fish, but it was a thick, fat, nice fish. Um, and I got a few pictures of that. Um, and I revive him all nice like, and I release him into you know the water, and it, it kicks off strong. And I'm like stoked. You know, I was like, you know, it was all worth getting up early, driving early with quotes because that was not that early. Uh, but um, it was worth getting up and driving out here and giving this a good go. Uh, and I was fishing a little bit longer. I was just getting more and more seaweed, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is just getting repetitive and frustrating. Um, and I was not really getting much action out of it. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try one last spot. I'm going to go back to where that underwater reef was, and I'm going to give it a few more casts. Now, I want to be able to describe this as best I can because it was something that happened so quickly, and it was so much mayhem in such a short amount of time that, uh, yeah, like it's, it's hard to describe what happened without actually seeing it on video. I have have it all on video and keep in mind I'm by myself here um, and just happened to stumble upon one of the greatest bites uh, of big fish during the day I've ever seen besides maybe the canal but even then like the, the bass weren't feeding on the surface uh, th these fish were feeding on the surface with like canal like reckless abandonment towards their food which happened to be my giant magnum walker so I get out to this to, to the same reef area that I was fishing previously. And I knew that, um, uh, I knew that, well, I guess I didn't know anything at that point, but I wanted to, I knew that the reef was there. I knew that it was good structure and good current that there could be bass. Oh my gosh, I just missed a very important part of this. So at the beginning of that day, um, I get out when I, as I'm walking out there, uh, there's a huge, like 500, like blackback seagulls. And the reason why blackback seagulls are important and the reason why that species of seagull is important is blackback seagulls feed on large bait fish um, in general. They're the bigger like seagulls that have black tops of the wings to them. Um, not the tips, the whole top and they're big. And they tend to feed on bigger bait. They don't all the time, they're very opportunistic feeders, but there's tons of them flying around. And so, and yet I couldn't see anything feeding on the surface uh, but I, but they were flying around and they were definitely like sitting in the water and splashing down trying to grab bait. Um, and I didn't know exactly what they're feeding on. I couldn't see anything. Nothing was visible to me. Uh, but they were maybe 50 yards off. Um, and I, the thing, the thing is I don't like fishing birds. Like I don't like to do it cause I feel like I'm always misled. And if I'm on like solid bites, I might as well just stick with the bite that I know. But, uh, this was going on, so I could have chased the birds, but I didn't end up doing that. I was like, you know, I'm gonna stay where I am, and I'm gonna fish where I am because I'm getting action. Uh, and you know, that might that that might be to my detriment sometimes, but it also is to my uh, my gain in the long run, in my personal opinion. But um, and obviously, if I could see fish breaking the surface, I would go fish it. But there's nothing I couldn't see anything breaking the surface other than the seagulls smashing into the water. Um, but anyway, so I get I'm at I'm on the rock. And I have my, my, my uh, walker and I fire a cast out into the wind. And I have a strong like onshore wind at this point. And so uh, 
I launch the walker out and it lands probably right on top of where all these boulders are. And I'm working it and I'm working it and I'm working it and I'm working it just off the, the boulders and probably, I don't know, maybe five cranks in. So I'm, I literally, the thing probably did this, this, and then this. I start seeing huge swirls behind it. And as a fisherman, you see giant swirls like that, you know that something's going down behind your plug. And they're big swirls. So I was like, there's two options here. Either this is a giant fish or it's a giant school of small fish. And as I'm working this in, I'm seeing just lots of fish all huddled close together. And I couldn't quite tell because I was a little bit high up and it was fairly clear, but I couldn't quite tell how big they were at that point. Um, and I was kind of right and kind of wrong on both fronts. Uh, it was a giant school of fish. But it wasn't a giant school of small fish. It was a giant school of giant fish. And every single one of those fish were over 30 pounds. And I couldn't believe what I saw when I saw a 30 pound bass pound my Magnum Walker five feet into the air and do flips. Now this thing landed, I worked it a few more times. I had these bass kind of circling right below it. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? I turn my GoPro on, I reel it up, I fire another cast out. Um, and I do like three or four quick, I do three or four quick rips on the top of my rod to really make this look like an injured trying to flee bait fish. Cause I knew these bass were being aggressive and they're in a school and they have that pack mentality. And I had a complete pack attack of 30 pound striped bass. Now, never seen this happen before in my entire life. I had 30 pound bass leaping out of the water, smashing into this thing left and right flying, the plug was in the air half the time, finally landed on the, surf, the surface of the water and a bass, a big bass, mind you, crushes the tail out of it. So now I have my 6X strong, 6 to 8X strong VMC on the back of this fish. The thing's thrashing in the, like crazy, thrashing like nuts, throwing water up. I'm, I can't believe what's going on right now. It starts to pull a little drag and then all of a sudden my, my hook pulls. And I reeled in really quickly because I was like, you know what? We'll see if we can get another shot at this lucky, if we can be lucky enough to get another shot at this. Um, I reeled in, I didn't really see what happened, but I could tell that the hook was bent. So do you know, how, I don't know if you guys know how difficult it is to bend a 6X strong VMC, but it is extraordinarily difficult to bend a 6X strong VMC. So I reel this thing in, I fire it back out, I take four twitches, boom, 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 and then I have another bass, crush it. This time it was an even bigger fish than the first fish that spit the hook. Thing crushes it, takes it under the water, and takes it off for a run. And I can't even believe what's going on. So because I knew that that other hook got bent, I loosened my drag just a tiny bit, but I have my 250, or my two, why do I keep saying 250, or like 150? I have my 200 stall with me. So I don't, I normally fish with my 275 van stall when I'm fishing for giant fish. I didn't think I was gonna catch fish of that caliber at all. And I'm, I'm just on this ridiculous biting right now. And this thing, peeling line, peeling line. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on here. I'm losing it. Uh, but the thing is, uh, there's that group of boulders there. And I was able to lead the fish off the group of boulders enough to where when they ate it, now they're in 50 feet of open water. There's nothing on either side of them. They have nowhere to go to break me off. So this fish is not going to dive super deep because you know, I, I got enough pressure on him to keep him up enough that he's not going to get diving 20 feet deep here. He might get down 10, 15, but he's not going to be 20, well, really 50 feet deep and get me on the bottom here. So I knew I was totally fine. Just had to keep pressure and play him out. Uh, this thing 
fought me and fought me and fought me, I finally got him around um, where uh, I could see this fish. And I'm like, what is going on here? My biggest fish of the season was 34 pounds. And this is a 30 pound bass. I knew it wasn't quite as big as that big one that I got, but this is during the day on top water. I don't know what's going on right now and how I even managed to get into a school of fish like this. And so I, I get this thing around, I get him up and I'm like, what, what is going on? I weigh him, he comes out just at, the, he pins the boga right at 30 pounds and I can't even believe what I'm seeing. I'm like, I'm holding a 30 pound fish with the Magnum Walker plugged right into the side of its face and I got one hook on the tail of my thing that is completely bent straight. And I got the other one, you know, the other hooks were actually not too bad, but man, like, I don't even know what to think here. This was extraordinary. Um, and so I get a few pictures of them uh, and then I give them a nice release, kicks off strong. I'm like super pumped with that. Um, and at this point I'm like calling up my brother, the camera guy, uh, I was like, yo, you need to get out here right now. This There's a crazy bite that's going down. I'm catching 30 pound bass, you know, back to back hooks into 30 pound bass. You need to get here right now. And um, so he he's coming over, I can, he said he's, he got, he's driving over right now and he gets over and I was fishing the same spot, still cast in that same area. I wasn't getting much uh, after that. It was a little bit of a lull um, and I was not, there's not a lot of fish around. I wasn't really hitting anything. I was like, what did I, I was just trying to replay that in my head over and over again. I was like, that was extraordinary. I've never seen so many giant fish trying to eat one plug. And uh, it was the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. Um, Cause you see with schoolies every once in a while you get on a bite and there's enough schoolies around that they'll go flying out of plug like crazy. But you don't expect to see that with 30 pound bass off random rocks in a random town on Cape Ann. And you're like, this is like the most ridiculous thing of all time. Uh, and like literally once in a lifetime stuff here, because there are bunker schools around. And what I assume happened is a big bunker school moved by and there's lots of large fish following that bunker school. And I just happened to find some bass that was just starting to swim by or pushing by at that time. And that was what I was thinking that I was thinking about. I was just like, what is going on here? Um, and uh, I, I so he finally makes it out um, and we I fish uh, a little bit of the spot that I caught that first 35 at, didn't get any touches, then we moved a little bit further out, didn't get any touches there, then we moved back to where I was really getting the, the big fish at. Um, I did like a few casts, I got um, probably a 30, 32 incher, so like another decent fish and then um, I'm fishing again and I cast back way out. It's like a little bit further of a cast and I can get, I got out kind of midway across the boulders and I'm working this thing back. Boom, 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 boom. The light clouds came over. Okay, let's see if that's better. So I'm working this thing back. Boom, 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 boom. Then big fish tail right, right, right over the plug, smashing the plug. And I'm like, whoa, that's a, I was like giant fish. Then I, um, I keep working it, keep working it. And then another, Boom, big fish smashes it. I hook set into this thing and he, oh my God, peeling line, like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Peeling line, peeling line, peeling line. And I'm like, I'm holding on to this thing. I'm leaning back into him and I'm like, what did I just hook into? Uh, Cause this felt heavier than 
any other fish that I hooked this season when I first hooked into them. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because this thing is peeling out line like I can't even stop it. And it's peeling line and peeling line and peeling line. And I'm leaning all the way back, my arms straight, the rod's at an angle that you couldn't believe. And I'm like, I don't have the heaviest gear here. This thing's going. If he keeps going in this at this rate, he might be able to get me down there. And then he's down there and he kind of stops a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start to work this thing up a little bit, you know, go slow, but I'm trying to work it up. He's just digging. I cannot move this fish. So I'm fighting him, you know, finally start to get him to come up a little bit more. I'm digging him up and digging him up and he starts coming up. I'm like, finally, I like get this fish up a bit here. Um, and I finally get this fish up to where I could see it. And it turns out that this fish was slightly smaller than the 30 pounders, still 40 inches, but um, it, what happened was it ate the plug. So say this is the roof of its mouth. It missed the plug. It ate the front treble and the back treble. And then what happened was that back, the front treble actually popped out of the fish's mouth. So it was hooked in the top of the head by like the treble, like one treble. And I'm like, what is going on? So it's a little bit wacky rigged here. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm working this thing in and I'm like, okay, odds I land this fish because it's hooked like really weirdly. But now it's not only am I have this fish hooked weirdly, it's a fairly large fish. I have pretty decent sized waves, good like 25 mile an hour gusts. But I'm staying on a rock and it has a little like slice into it. And that fish swims right into there and I can't turn him because of where the hooks are placed. So he swims right into this little canyon. And I'm like, oh my God. So, okay, I, I, you know, I'm like, okay, great. Here we go. Again, another like craziness. I'm like, I'm going to break my rod trying to get this thing in here enough that I can climb down there and try to get this fish. So I get the thing in there enough. I'm like I'm clambering down here. I have waves pounding on me. I, I get my hands on this another 40 inch bass and I'm like what is going on here I've got this is the most ridiculous fishing I've ever been a part of you know well not really I've had nights that are better than that but still like during the day this is the most ridiculous daytime bite I've ever been on um, and then I finally get this this fish in and uh, we get some pictures and video of them and I get a good release on them and I was super stoked about that and I'm like okay now what we I guess we're gonna keep fishing so I go back to the same spot and I, I fire out a few more casts. Two casts later, fired out over one over the boulders again. I'm working it, working it, working it, and then clear out the water behind it. Another 38, 40 inch bass right behind it. Just missed the plug. And that was the last hit of the day. Um, that was it. I mean, like, you, I, we called it after that. So keep in mind here, I didn't eat any breakfast. I woke up and I expected to only fish for like a handful of hours until I got hungry and would leave. But um, we, we both like got up. Both of us didn't eat food. I, I was out there. I was tired. I didn't even have coffee yet. I was dying. And I just caught my hand. Like you can't even make this stuff up. I don't know if you'll be able to see it on the uh, camera, but I have more Band-Aids on my hands and my hands are so raw and just absolutely shredded. I've been to war this morning with these fish. And I i mean, it was some of the most intense, uh, incredible acts of uh, just power and dominance that those fish have in the water over any other fish in the water. You know, if they wanna eat that fish, they're gonna eat it, I don't care. You know, if they're fully, fully on 
and the bite is on, you, I mean, it, there's nothing like it. And I fished a lot, and I've, I've hooked my fair share of aggressive fish that have eaten, you know, lures that I'm ripping across the surface of the water. And they're big fish too. Like I, like I hooked a 30 pounder last year, ripping a darter across the surface of the water. Now, like I've seen big fish do crazy things. I've never seen a pack attack from a school of probably 10. Oh, and then the other thing is, so I'm, I'm leading that 35, uh, or the 35, I'm leading the 30 pound bass in and behind that fish are four other bass. And the smallest bass in that school of the fish behind it was probably 40 inches. There's two others that were like the same size of that. And I mean, I couldn't even see it. And yeah, there was a few schoolies falling around, but like there was a school of like five or six fish there. And a, like the majority of them were over 40 inches following this giant fish. I've, and I'm kid you not, if you had 15 people beside me, all 15 of us would have hooked like 30 pound bass. Like that was how ridiculous the fishing was at that, for that fleeting, like five, six minutes of ridiculous fishing. Um, and then the bite continued. So here's the thing. The wind hasn't changed. We have the same side, the same tide tonight. I'm going to go round three on these fish and I'm bringing eels. So no, no longer am I throwing plugs. I'm throwing eels at these things. So who knows what I'll be able to pull tonight from this. Uh, this is, we're filming this podcast on Sunday um, just because it's a lot easier for us to get it out on Wednesday afternoon slash night because uh, we've been kind of missing that date because it takes so long with these higher quality uh, podcasts to upload them. But uh, this, this is kind of a different podcast today. Uh, I, ju I just wanted to tell you this story just because it was such a incredible day and it's very relevant because I think it's a pattern that you guys can really follow and if you want to know how to pattern down a fish like that other than what I literally the little bit bits that I talked about at the beginning of this um, go check out the last podcast uh, because the last podcast I talked about this um, in and it was it was funny because I followed what I said to a T and it worked perfectly and got me on one of the best bites I've yet to be on. Just by, you know, patterning down those bigger bait fish, I knew that they were on bunker, so I followed that rule and really followed throwing big plugs that look like bunker. But really, the moral of the story is the Pumba Plugs Magnum Walker, which you can request to have beefy hooks on, can catch you ginormous fish. And I'm talking about those are some of the bigger bass, like I've hooked a lot of big fish, I've hooked multiple 30 pound bass, but getting a bass that's 45 inches or whatever that was, 45, 46 inches on a plug, and not only that, a topwater plug is really difficult to do. That means that you have to trick a bass that is very, well, you have to trick multiple fish because that's what it did. It tricked multiple fish that have spent their whole lives trying to get like to that size and not being tricked by people to eat. So. That's what's extraordinary about that whole story is that like, I mean, this plug is an extraordinary plug. At the way it's made and the way it moves in that four foot like side to side action, the casting distance on that, I'm talking about 25 miles an hour of straight gusts straight to my face and I need to cast 50 yards to get to the, the boulders, just the front of the boulders. I need to get further than that to get to the middle and this plug cast for it and you could not do that with the dock. The dock would have got caught in the air, never would have caught any of those fish. 
So, cause I pulled them off that boulder, off those boulders for sure. That's what happened. Um, and so like there's certain scenarios where other plugs work, but there's certain scenarios where the best plug works. And this Pumbaa plugs, Magnum Walker, I know that I, I do have a stake in the game with him, but I've tried a lot of different spooks and there's not a better spook than that. And I can tell you that for sure. The way that that's designed makes it so the plug never dives under the water, which is the big thing. Cause if I was working that plug and it dove under the water, those bass would not have touched it. It's that action on the surface they need. If you speed it up really quick and you get excited, it'll just jump out of the water. And that's what you want. You don't want it to dive under the water cause then the bass are not gonna hit it. So, I mean, really, like it was extraordinary. I, I can't even say anything else about that. It was an extraordinary, extraordinary thing. And the crazy thing is, I'm expecting to have a better night than I did day fishing today with the eels. And the reason that I'm saying that is, well, I might not get as many fish, but the fact that there are that many big 30 pound bass feeding on bait that aggressively. And on top of that, I got, um, they're in a spot that I think is going to be in the same, they've been in the same spot for the past three tides and I'm going to go hit it again. It is going to change as it gets closer to the moon and I'll be able to not fish. I'll be able to fish a spot that will probably give me a bigger fish, but less. Uh, but I do think that at this time where there are such big bunker around, I do think that I have the best shot. I, I, I do think I have the best shot possible so far this season to get myself that 50 inch bass, uh, which would be pretty sick to do. Um, I would love to get a 50 inch bass because um, it, it could happen because they're big fish feeding on those bunker schools. I mean, and if they're staged up off that island, that little island area, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be bad because I'm going to really, really rake in some of these fish. And I mean, I could absolutely waylay them tonight uh, on eels. So I am beyond excited for tonight because I think that my hands will be twice as shredded, uh, by the end of the night. Um, okay. Yeah. And then I want to get into questions before I end this podcast off a little bit. Um, yeah, we've been going for like 45 minutes here, almost an hour, but I have a lot of questions that I want to cover here. I took some screenshots of the questions <clears throat> and I, I think the question was, uh, just like, about summer fishing, like what's my, what do you want me to talk about about summer fishing? And so this person's uh, question was, what is your favorite uh, structure to fish in the summer and what do you uh, prefer to throw? Um, so right now I can really tell you, uh, I like fishing during the summer, which you'll be able to kind of tell is, I like fishing deep, clean water during the summer, uh, especially off of uh, rocks. It's just because that's where the cooler water is going to be. It's going to, it's where the, the fish will probably end up being because it's cooler water. Uh, if you can get those fish to either, well, then the hardest part about that is being able to get those fish to rise up and eat your, your plugs or your offering. And a great plug for those, for that is, you know, pencil poppers and spooks are really great. Um, eels are also fantastic at night. And then Danny plugs are also fantastic at night. So keep those, that stuff in mind. I'd be throwing Dannys and eels at night and pencils and spooks during the day. And that's what I'd be going with. Okay, next question. What tidal window is your favorite? I have a lot of really good spots at low tide, but I, I really like the low outgoing, low incoming. Um, 
I mean, I've been doing really well with the uh, low outgoing right now. So I'm going to say low outgoing right now has just been absolutely money for me. So all we're going to go is like the low outgoing right now. Just depends on the spot though, more specifically. Uh, best lure and tactics for summer fishing. I talked a little bit about that, but I really do have to say, um, if we, you want to pick like, it's tough because if you want to pick one lure for summer fishing, I mean, here's the thing. When you're fishing during the summer, I like to slow things down a lot. Um, and I guess I'm going to break this down to two parts. What's the, your best lure for fishing during the day and fishing at night? Now, this can kind of be switched back and forth a little bit, but I guess if I wanted to pick one for both of them, I'd say go with the Danny Plug, man. The Danny Plug really gets gets those bigger fish to rise. And I don't care. I mean, it's an old-fashioned plug, but it really really catches big fish and it only catches big fish uh but they have to be super aggressive i do have to say though if i'm not using a danny at night um i'm gonna be using eels and if i'm not using a danny during the day i'm gonna either be i'm gonna be using like a, a big spook like the pumbo plug magnum walker is just killing it right now do you ever use chunked pogey or mackerel? Uh, I used to do a lot of that. Um, I've gotten a lot. I've gotten away from that a lot, though. Like I, I really don't like fishing like that. Um, it's one of my least favorite ways to fish because it's too stagnant for me. I'm fine fishing with eels because it's a little bit more interactive. But I much prefer to actively be fishing. Uh, I just feel like I can do more when I'm actively fishing versus not actively fishing. Uh, but I do have, you know, I, 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 I had luck on fishing with chunks before but only for bass to like keep her size i haven't really gotten i've never hooked a really big fish on a chunk bait ever so yeah i don't really catch big fish on chunk bait besides but live bait like i guess i do uh use like i have live line bunker and pogey before uh from kayaks uh, I've not really had very much luck because I really haven't had very fishy conditions when I've done that. So it's just been, it's just, it's one of those things I don't do a lot or enough to really speak, um, speak to it, I guess. Uh, what conditions are you least, what conditions are, well, this is an interesting one. What conditions are you least, are least favorable as far as tide, moon, and wind, wind temps, wind and temperature? Sorry, these are all comment out okay least favorable this is actually a really good question um as far as uh like moon goes like i think that like just like in just after like a, a a full moon or a new moon is just tough to get on fish but when it kind of gets into that middle section it can kind of heat up a little bit i don't know why just sometimes it does but that's like my least favorable moon is just like like I'd say seven days after the like new or full moon or like that's around the time where it's kind of the toughest. But as it gets into that week before, um, it's always like, I feel like the week leaning into it's better, but the weeks, like the week after is kind of not as good. Um, but that's just personal, I guess. Um, winds, the worst, I hate fishing offshore wind. Never fish offshore wind, you won't catch anything. I know there's guys that uh, disagree with that, but in my opinion, Wind predicts where the bait's going to be, which predicts which predicts where the bass are going to be. And you can argue with me about that, but at the end of the day, it's worked very well for me. Uh, unless you're extremely good at reading water and reading where bass are going to be staging up, that's probably your only way you could probably outfish the wind. But then, like other than that, the wind is easier to read than current 
in general, unless you're, you know, in, but like current off the rocks is difficult to read. I don't even have that fully nailed down yet. Um, and then temperature, uh, I think I went over this in the last podcast, but uh, I think about roughly the best temperature is in that higher 60 degrees. So probably around, it starts really getting hot around 60, like five-ish to just under to like 70, uh, but like 68 is perfect. Uh, it's like the perfect water temp. Hence me fishing deeper water, deeper, cooler water, which is probably around 68. Um, tips for catching during the middle of the day. Well, lucky for you, today was very, uh, during the middle of the day. Really, the bite picked up around 9 o'clock. 9, 10 o'clock was when I was catching the biggest fish. And uh, I was throwing the big Magnum Walker, man. That thing just kills it during the day. I can't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that thing is just so good during the day it's not even funny uh but pencils are also great during the day um but it's definitely a lot harder to get on a good bite during the day it definitely happens because today was not a cloud or there was clouds but it was it was blue sky a few puffy clouds around but nothing crazy decent wind but it all depends on the conditions i think the wind really made this bite and the wind is continuing so the wind should hopefully make this next bite um but that's really besides the point. Um, Conditions-wise, you definitely want to fish with rain. You definitely want to fish with uh, overcast. Uh, and then, you know, if you can, try fishing during, like, the beginning and the end of the day. Uh, but if you are fishing in the middle, it does work. There are, you can catch some monsters. Um, I've caught, like, three or four of my biggest fish ever during the middle of the day. So, who knows, really. Um is the moon as impactful as tides, winds, etc.? Does fishing in storms produce? Um, I think the moon is the well. The moon and the tides kind of go hand in hand, but I think the moon is the most uh, impactful. Maybe other than bait, but like the moon really, really predicts a lot of things. Like I can tell you, I can't be on a bite. Like I could not be on a bite, and then have a newer full moon, and then catch a forty-pound bass or a thirty-pound bass or whatever. Like that's that's the thing like you don't need to be on a bite to catch a really big fish during the moon phase but you couldn't catch a really big fish if you weren't on a bite during like a random time in between moon phases um and then storms any low pressure is going to really pick the bite up uh and that's the other variable that sometimes you could play right and if you're on a good bite and you have a weird weather variable move through you can it can sometimes really enhance that or it can really make that not as good but uh yeah, storms are really, really productive. Low pressure systems are always perfect, but that change in conditions can be a do or die type thing depending on what's going on. But uh, yeah, like that change is, is important. It's really important. But I do think the moon is more important, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so that's, well, actually, I'm, I lied to you. One more. Um, do you ever fish slack tides? Uh, yes, I have. I do. I fish slack tides. I guess technically I have been. I do very well during slack tides. So I guess slack tides are like what the hour and a half before an hour and a half after between that's like slack, right? Or something like that. So I do catch a lot of fish during that time period, especially a lot of my bigger fish when it's being super, super slow. And like during the, the incoming or the outgoing tide, you can sometimes get a bite right at that. It's a bite, it's one fish. It's generally, that, those are when you're gonna get that one big fish and that's like that one time, like slack tide can be very productive for larger fish. I don't know why, it just sometimes it works like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting because you can have, um, 
you can it really depends i feel like it depends if you i think you can catch bigger fish a lot of the time you'll find bigger fish around slack tides but you can generally find better bites during the actual tide itself uh and that is something that i think is really important uh having that that in between tide can have big bites and then you have that slower current and that sometimes if it's really sporty that's when the bass will start to move in there because they don't have to deal with as many variables in the water uh they can really just focus in on hunting down prey um so i hope you guys enjoyed this uh this kind of different podcast um I'm, I'm gonna end it here because we've been going for a little bit but i wanted to i wanted to do a uh I wanted to do a story because this was such an extraordinary thing to have happen. Uh, and I don't think it happens very often to a lot of people. Maybe it does and I'm just clueless. But to catch fish like that during the day uh, and, and really getting pack attacked by bass that size is something that I don't feel like happens too, too often. And I was, you know, and I feel like I have the ability to share this and kind of share it to you within enough time for you guys to kind of pattern down the same thing. If you're around Cape Ann, if you can really pattern down where there's going to be bait blown around a little bit and really kind of focus on that, uh, it can like always talk to your boat friends because they'll tell you where the bunker schools are. You'll be like, hey, where are you, where, where are you getting on those bunker schools? Because they'll know you can't go out there in a boat. And then they'll tell you where you're, where they're getting on those bunker schools. And then you can just have to try to predict where the bunker are going to end up. And if you can do that, it can be really extraordinary fishing. Um, and I think that's what I did. It could just be a really hot, hot time for that spot. Uh, but who knows really? I mean, it, it there's so many variables in, to, in this sport, um, and that could have been stupid, dumb luck, or it could have been a lot of preparation and time and effort to figure out where these fish are and how to have that produce. But anyway, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time.